0: It taught me a lot about like not lowering my standards for anyone and I would say the best part of the experience for me was I think for the first time instead of criticizing myself or thinking that there was something wrong with me that I needed to change to oh and I'm like maybe I could have picked someone else or you know if I had just you know come across as this way I might have been chosen
1: welcome to the believe be real be bold podcast for authentic dating. my name is Dave Glazer online personal trainer and obsessed with the Enneagram personality assessment. After going through a couple of breakups in 2017, I came across some really inauthentic people when dating in Denver. And instead of getting frustrated, I decided to create a community of authentic people myself. Come along with me on this path to authenticity as we welcome expert guests and real-life daters to share their tools, tips, and knowledge to help you show up as your most authentic self. Christina Marie joins us on today's podcast as an eating disorder recovery advocate, as well as a recent participant on a Facebook Live TV show called Denver is Blind, similar to that of which was on Netflix called Love is Blind. This was Denver's live version as it happened over the course of seven days, and she goes deep into what her experience was like blind dating in Denver, and she also allows us to hear her message and personal journey through recovering from an eating disorder that she faced for over 10 years and how that shows up in her dating life here in Denver. Stay tuned for an amazing episode today with Christina Marie and if her message resonates with you please reach out to her on Instagram at Christina Marie's mantra. Without further delay let's get into today's episode. Hey guys, welcome back to the Believe, Be Real, Be Bold podcast. I'm joined as a second time around, Miss Christina Marie. How are you today?
0: I'm feeling pretty good. How about you?
1: I'm good. Yeah, we had a little technical difficulty. So we're jumping back on because we left out one key piece of the conversation that is very unique. Um, You participated in an event, a virtual event called Denver is Blind as a Mm spinoff off of Love is Blind from Netflix. And I want you to share that experience with me.
0: Yeah. Um, so in doing that, I saw an ad through 303 magazine and they were accepting online video submissions. And, um, some of my single girlfriends on Facebook were just like tagging a bunch of people. And when I saw that they tagged me, I was like, well, you know, I'm sitting in quarantine and I'm essentially just doing back in business work. I got nothing better to do. Um, so at 6am, I remember I recorded the next morning and I'm like, Honestly, I'm just going to put it out there and see what happens because uh last year I definitely felt like I hit my relationship rock bottom. I'm sick and tired of guys trying to slide into the DMs during this quarantine, whether I know them or I used to date them. It's just in my opinion, the slide is really not a cute look if that's not uh something casual that you're looking for. Uh so I submitted the video and a part of my reasoning for kind of doing it on a whim was I thought in my head I'm like, "Well, if somebody can't, uh, accept the version of me without makeup, um, you know, the, the person behind Christina Marie's mantra, I don't always look like a model or I'm not always in fashionable clothing 24 seven. I've just put on a face and, you know, I've done enough dressing up to know again, that's not something I really want to bring into my next relationship. I'm like, if I can't be my authentic self at some point, somebody's not going to learn or know how to love that. So I sent in my one minute video and I just spoke from my heart that I host, you know, you talk a little bit about yourself and what you do. I host body positive events. Um, I want to help people learn how to love themselves through fashion and modeling. And the reason why I'm doing the show is because I'm like, I have nothing to lose. Um, I definitely know what I don't want in a relationship and what I'm not looking for. So I feel like all that's left or what's next is, you know, hopefully the next best thing for me, um, all of the good things, a reliable relationship, a partner. And I submitted it on a whim. And what I found was um, after they accepted my video, the people I connected with most on the show, as far as um, there were 10 women, 10 guys that were a part of it, you got to meet up with each other all virtually at the end. Even the women that I connected with as friends, they all did the same thing as me, like half the group, we were kind of like screw it, nothing better to do. And the guy that I found in the end who I ended up talking to after the experiment, he was the same way. It's just, we're all kind of bored and we all want people to be able to see us in the quarantine and come from a place of honesty and vulnerability in a time in the world where things have slowed down. And I think um, as you're sitting alone with yourself, a lot can come up for you regarding your mental health or perhaps some past traumas and you might see in your relationships kind of, uh, who you actually are as a person. So that was just super fun for me to, on a whim, be selected to be a part of this.
1: Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. That was awesome. And I actually didn't take the time to watch Love Is Blind on Netflix. You would think that, as a podcast host with an authentic dating podcast, you would be like, "Oh, Dave Great. would be all over that." But you know, I've got I've got other things to do with my time. So explain to us a little bit about how that worked for the Denver is Blind version. Mm
0: -hmm. So as it was a spinoff from the show and they called it um, dating in the quarantine pods. So what they would do is um, at first it was definitely more of speed dating, having the 10 men and the 10 women. And they would record our conversations through an app that was similar to Zoom Um, But it it was a lot like uh, the Netflix show because even on the first night, I remember talking to 10 guys, it was a little bit overwhelming. And it was, um, just to be clear too, that they're going to do other ones that are for different couples. This one was for heterosexual. Um, So as I went through all of it, I really wasn't sure what to think because you only have a few minutes with each person. So it really was trusting, you know, sometimes it wasn't even the content of the conversation. It's just like, what do I sense about this person? Are we on a similar um wavelength in the way that we can conversate? Do they enjoy joking around more? Are they humorous? Are they a bit more serious? And what's really interesting is even though you're still not seeing each other uh there you know it's almost you're still yourself, so with some people, I'm like, oh gosh, like that guy sounds like he was like kind of drunk. And then another guy, like, I'm like, Oh, he's so awkward. We're like, you know, Hey, we're all here for the same reason kind of thing, just to meet people and try something new. So I knew pretty quickly, um, after the top five guys that I picked, um, that I could kind of trust my gut on this one, that they would be a good fit. And it was nice not having the physical image because I think anyone who's been in the dating game or at least put their heart out there enough Um, you know, you think you have a type or, you know, physically you're like, oh my goodness, that person is beautiful or like all that stuff, but that doesn't actually say about who they are as a human being. Uh, So I kind of like just getting to know someone in conversation. And honestly, my hair is done now because the quarantine's lifted. My hair was not done during that time. So again, like, you know, you're not as embarrassed because you're like, well, hopefully we're all kind of in this together. We don't really have to see um, the other person when our physical selves might not be at the best right now.
1: (laughs) Mm-hmm. So it we are all understanding of like a blind date. Like you yeah. go in and you don't know what the other person looks like. And upon hearing their voices, you're kind of eliminating based on confidence because confidence can come across in, in tone. And, and yeah. I be, bet if you compare the first few episodes of the podcast to today's episode, the audio is completely different because of that fact of just mm-hmm. kind of finding your groove and knowing who you are and that's personal growth. But when you were just listening to the audio and you were eliminating, what kind of an image did you build up in your mind? And that's definitely a subconscious, subconscious mm-hmm. behavior. What kind of an image did you build up in your mind?
0: Well, because they didn't even um, give us information about the ages. Um, we knew the age range, but you know, age wasn't really a factor. Physical appearance wasn't a factor. Um, we just got down to talking about each other's lives. And I'm like, I I felt like if I didn't connect with the person where I saw the conversation going deeper than surface level at some point, um, I sort of knew I'm like, I'm probably not going to rate that person as one of my top five. And I would say even in the area of humor, I guess to be more concise, I can really appreciate wit, but like the, even the cheap jokes, I'm like, all right, well, if this was a given Saturday night and I was at Lodo's and, I would definitely hear this and be offered like a Yanker bomb. Like that didn't really <laughs> hit home for me either. It's just, I needed something where there was also someone who wants to, again, go a little deeper because the surface stuff is fun and great getting to know somebody. Um, but uh, by the third or the fourth dates, and obviously you're eliminating people, um, you know, every night or every other night or so, um, you start talking about more serious things, which is interesting because it was really quick. The experiment was only a week long but I did feel truly connected by the end to the top three guys. And it was really interesting because we did end up sharing about some things that I feel like don't always come up in relationships right away that are actually extremely important. Like, do both of you want to start a family or not? Are either of you religious? What are your political beliefs? Um, where do you, do you have like a three year or a five year, even a 10 year plan? Uh, And I just think that's where, again, like it's a balance of chem. you know, the first couple nights, it's typical, like when you're first getting to know someone just matching chemistry and having fun conversation. But then when the serious conversations come about more quickly, which definitely determined actually my outcome in the whole experiment, because I didn't end up with anyone. I ended up talking to someone who I was paired with once at the beginning of the experiment and then never talked to again, which is again, more interesting, um, more interesting of a perspective, more data, that kind of thing. Um, But the person that I picked at the end that I felt most connected to didn't pick me because on our last virtual date, again, this whole time still never having seen each other, but picking each other up to this point, I wasn't religious. Um, So essentially, even though I'm a spiritual person and I love yoga and meditation, because I told him, I was like, I don't see myself in a relationship going to church every Sunday. And that's just from my own personal experience. It doesn't mean I don't um, appreciate people who are religious. I was born and raised Catholic for a long time. I have a ton of respect for it. Um, That's what, you know, made it so that we wouldn't have worked out in the end. And I couldn't help but think, I'm like, well, when I did actually see this guy, I was like, oh, like he is attractive, ambitious, like really sweet and funny. So maybe in the real world, if, the pandemic hadn't happened, we would have met, gone on dates. But then, if we were already dating six months in and he asked me to go to church with him, I'd be like, wait, what? Like, that, that, oh no, like that's not me, you know? <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally get that. That like your deeper conversations in order to choose somebody who's the best fit for you was based on mm-hmm. values and not so much attraction, physical attraction, excuse me. And mm-hmm. that brings me to that question of like, what was the attraction like? What was the chemistry like? without the physical component or age n- or um, anything beyond just the voice and their demeanor, mm-hmm. and their humor and their values that you guys discussed?
0: I would say um, attraction levels, cause especially for the top three that I had in the end, um, each of them, it was a little bit different. Like one of them, um, the biggest attraction that I saw was something that could be more long-term that they were kind of looking for the same thing as far as a partnership. And they had also been in a relationship um, where their last one, they also, you know, kindly, but almost in a funny, but not so funny way refer to it as like relationship rock bottom. Uh, so that was just something I could relate to a lot. Cause I think when you've reached that point with yourself, you're over most BS. Uh, it doesn't mean you won't <laughs> make some mistakes along the way, or, you know, have to maybe go through some more personal growth and date around a little bit more. But that was the guy I was attracted to the most because I was like, oh, that's really interesting that we're coming from that same experience of what we actually are looking for in another person. And that's amazing and attractive to even be able to have that level of honesty. I've gone on dates where people aren't even that clear with themselves at all um, when it comes down to talking about the future, or what they actually want. A lot of people I found, at least in Denver, are looking to date just to date. And that doesn't match up for me anyway. Um mm-hmm. The second guy, it was more, um, he was really funny, and we had a ton of similar interests in common, but he mentioned how he wants to do more work in the mental health space, and that was something so attractive to me because, again, something I'm looking for more long-term in a partner is someone who is more open with mental health and wants to give back to the community in a huge way, because that's something where, again, in a different sense, because he never really mentioned if he was um, wanting, like, a long-term partnership although he was looking for something more serious as far as dating with him it was um the mutual interest where i saw we could both be similar in our career paths which would be awesome and then with the third guy um i saw that if we were together or i saw in my mind anyway um, we had very similar lifestyles. So, I mean, when I've tried to date people who don't value mental or physical well-being, in spite of how much I cared for them, and it's totally fine to have differences, you know? Uh, but with this guy, I'm like, well, that's nice that we both like the same kinds of healthy foods and we both like to work out and go on adventures. Whereas, um, again, all three people, very different experiences are kind of what I saw, in my head as far as a relationship and where things could go. Um, but at the end of the day, it was all so much deeper than surface level. Does any does all that make sense?
1: I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for going so in depth and giving those three examples of what attraction and chemistry uh, felt like through a blind dating experience. And you said that you come across a lot of people who are dating just to date in Denver. And is that one of the reasons why maybe the religion conversation wouldn't come up for the six months that you were kind of painting the picture?
0: I think um, with some of those deeper questions, because dating is supposed to be fun, right? But when you're just kind of dating around and maybe you enjoy having fun with the person, you know, going out to eat together, spending time together, or, you know, physical intimacy as well, uh, and those things are more at the top versus like building a relationship, there's nothing wrong with that if that's where you're at. Uh, But for me, I'm kind of just past that stuff because I just know it's not gonna lead anywhere. And the most important thing that I definitely learned from this experience too, um, besides that you should have those important conversations and if they are the deal breakers, that's just not your person. It does not mean you have to start going to church on Sunday if you'd rather sleep in. it taught me a lot about like not lowering my standards for anyone. And I would say the best part of the experience for me was, I think for the first time, instead of criticizing myself or thinking that there was something wrong with me that I needed to change to, Oh, and I'm like, maybe I could have picked someone else or, you know, if I had just, you know, come across as this way, I might've been chosen. I didn't feel like I needed to change who I am to be picked by anyone. I just need to continue to be honest because then I think, total integrity and honesty, I'll be met with that. And eventually I'll be met with someone where we do have similar viewpoints where I feel whenever the heck it happens in this crazy uh, world that we're in, I'll be able to have someone where we have just the ideal goals and it's not as much of a hurdle or a hassle if you talk about it sooner. If something's really on your mind or is important to you, that was a big thing that came out of it.
1: That's a great lesson to learn of definitely not lowering your standards or abandoning yourself because one of you does attend church weekly and the other one doesn't. Um, mm-hmm. I've always thought that um, my spiritual faith and my partner's spiritual faith doesn't have to line up. It's not, a, mm-hmm. it's not one of those non-negotiables for me because like you, I have a lot of respect for other people's opinions.
0: Yeah, and um, the biggest thing uh, for me as well coming out of that is I think going into it without having expectations at the end is why some of the people in the experiment, like myself, felt like, hey, even though some of them experienced rejection, others, there were um, four couples that came out of the total of 20 people, not bad odds, Uh But at the end of the day, we all went into it expectation-free. And I think that's a really great way to know someone, have your standards and don't lower them, right? But enjoy your time getting to know this person. And hopefully, uh, if they do have some differences where you know it's not going to mesh well with you, it doesn't mean anything bad about you at all.
1: Yeah, that's well said. That's very well said. And it sounds like seven days of this experiment, this um, opportunity that you participated in was very fast
0: yes um and it was so interesting because some people um even the girls on the show there were a few where they're like oh yeah I was just like drunk the whole time or (laughs) other people you know it was so funny some people were taking it really seriously other people weren't um and because it was that quick and then afterwards you had to do video confessionals and kind of (laughs) almost like rate your dates and be totally honest I thought for me because they gave you till the next morning to submit it I would usually do it immediately after, whether it was with, from the first night with all 10 of the guys um, all the way down to like five and three, and then, you know, saying who my last pick was going to be. Cause I just tried to make it authentic. I didn't try to edit myself in any way. And I'm like, Hey, this is how I'm feeling. You know, I hope the other person feels the same. And I was just totally honest. And even though you knew that your opinions were going to be shared with others. So that is something to think about if you're going to talk about someone else. At the end of the day, I was just super honest, like, hey, I feel like this person was really into the date. And I'm like, and and other aspects, I'm like, hey, I have a great time talking to this person. I don't really know where it's going to go. And it's really fun now that I, myself and the other people, when you can go back and kind of watch yourself and watch those videos and to see if other people thought the same thing about you or if there were certain patterns in the whole experience where... All of us girls, I remember we felt the same way about a couple guys and we're like, oh yeah, those two guys are like trouble or something like that. And it's so funny because I'm like, oh, again, you're not seeing the person. So you don't have the bias of physical sight, but still intuitively there were certain things that as a collective whole, people in the experiment would pick up on about other people and say some of the same things. It's interesting.
1: Mm -hmm. I totally, I totally get that. That's funny. Um, Where is it that we would be able to watch this? Is it available for the public to view?
0: So they have it, um, as a part of the Facebook group, um, where I originally saw the link and it's called Denver is blind and you can join it. Um, they ended up doing uh, season two right after, um, a week or so later. And now I'm not sure, um, what the next one is going to look like, but it was just a really cool thing to be a part of. And I liked how on Facebook, you know, again, the people in the experiment aren't a part of the group till the very end. Um, Because you don't see all the videos, but putting that out there—I mean, it was really hard for my friends not to spill the beans when they were like watching, and they're like, "Just follow your gut." They're like, "Trust your heart." And I'm like, "I love you guys, but also hate you guys right now because they're—you know—they're just watching you and um, you know seeing where things will go. But it was cool because people could engage on Facebook too, and there were like a couple trending hashtags, and it was interesting.
1: (laughs) So it's like your girlfriends are watching the real live, real live. Uh, real time bachelor version of Denver is blind and like (laughs) they're keeping up in the same time. Whereas the actual bachelor show or, or love is blind on Netflix is, is post-dated. So like, yeah, they're, they're really having a hard time not spilling the beans because they're probably chatting with you every day.
0: Yes. And, um, they definitely did a good job because I think with my girlfriends too, I mean, they've, they haven't been on my dates, the good ones, the bad ones, everywhere in between, but it's almost like they've been watching me for my love life this whole time, the past six years in Colorado. So I'm like, it's not any different now that it's in a bigger platform and I'm perhaps expanding my horizons outside of like maybe a smaller dating pool um, that I've been in for the last couple of years, just with networking groups and stuff. But I'm like, oh, it's, it's no different. They're just watching me the way that they always have with my ups and downs. And um, it was fun though to be supported. Cause again, everyone's intention with the experiment, uh, you know, was different. But for me, I'm like, as much as I'm not attached to the outcome, my heart is still, I think for me in the right place and being a part of this. And um, they've always been my greatest, uh, you know, teammates and cheering me on in life and totally believing. I think there's been a ton of growth for me in my dating life. So even though in the outcome of the experiment, I didn't end up with one person. I feel like I actually walked away with far more and I made friends and um, I was willing to put myself out there and that's what counts.
1: Yeah, they weren't, they weren't going on the dates with you live and in person here in Denver. Um, but they also at that time weren't viewing what the other person is saying like after your date with them, you know? So they have this um, real time experience where they can listen to what other people said about your date.
0: Yeah. And it's just, it's also too, when I try to think of it without the emotional part that comes into dating, this experience, it is more data, it is more information. And being able to watch what somebody else says about you for better or for worse, because there was one guy who, who, because of some of the spiritual things that I said, he considered that to be off the rails and being able to watch, um, your critics and not take it personally or Mm -hmm. see, you know, oh, maybe these are some characteristics about me that are great. These are some ones I could work on. Again, I tried to simply view it as this is more data that can help me um, as a person be able to move forward in healthier dating patterns and stuff like that in the future.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, You you came out of it um, without a date or without coupling up, but you did allude to speaking to one of the guys afterwards that you met early on. And then by process of elimination, didn't see them later on in the week. So how did you guys reconnect after?
0: Um, So immediately after um, the 20 of us were on a live tell-all confessional, which I think didn't get juicy enough because it was so interesting. It was a lot like a reality show. There was drama going on behind the scenes and people reaching out to other people and someone who was in a couple had another girl reach out, even though, the girl and the guy were already paired up together. Um, So I was like, that was kind of the juicy stuff. But that's the point. But people kept quiet about all that stuff. Uh, But what happened was, is this guy messaged me because now you were given people's contact info. And um, some people when they were asking questions would be like, if there was one person from the show who you didn't get to talk to or who it didn't work out with, who's the person you would go on a date with in the real world? And the one guy said that he would go on a date with me. And I was like, all right, I think that would be really awesome. And I only got to know him um one night or so for a couple minutes. And so after that, we did go on a live date. It was social distance walk at the park, um, a couple weeks later. But what was interesting is as time went on, because I think when you're in an experiment like that, it's such a fast, short, like incubated, um, time period where you're getting through the serious points. But like I said, I didn't really get to do that with him. And what I did find out um, after we hung out is I found his expectations of relationships. And I think behavior from me was a little high where I do want to get to know someone, but more from a place of I'm making room and carving out time for dating, but I also still have to go back to my business I still want to have space to be myself and I ended up um, doing a photo shoot that was six hours long. It was the first one right out of the quarantine. I wasn't able to hang out with him and he took it a bit personally. I get his point of view completely, but you know what I'm saying? It's so interesting how people just have these expectations and how me asking to reschedule, I think he interpreted as a form of rejection where Mm. I was like, hey, you know, I just really don't think I can hold space for you after a six hour photo shoot, but let's reschedule. Uh, so that was really interesting that, you know, I'm still super hopeful at this point, but when you really get to know people, it does come down to, I think the communication and the boundaries. And that was still something in the experiment, even in a short period of time that never really changed with the guys that I talked to where it got more serious. It came down to the communication style. And then at the end, whether it was a religious boundary or mental health boundary or what they wanted out of it, it breaking down, it's still just like a normal relationship. It was just in a shorter time period of getting to know someone.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I hear about, um, people taking the reschedule very personally all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, our community talks about that a lot. Um, I was just doing additional research on it yesterday or today on Mm -hmm. what to say to somebody when they ask for the reschedule. It was a really good mindset shift for, um, people who, um, have somebody else taking it very personally when they're, you know, just not up for it after a long workday or um, during the quarantine and shelter in place. um, I like to remind people that crisis doesn't build character. It reveals it. Yeah. And I have a lot of grace for other people. But hey, if it's not the right time, it's not the right time. And um, I totally get where people are coming from that shelter in place is not necessarily the right time for them to be dating.
0: I completely agree with you. And it's actually something that I have to learn how to do better. And that I'm sitting with right now in my own communication pattern and boundary setting as I go into the summer. And I'm trying to have compassion for some guys that I am talking to right now. And just understanding that because of the time in the world that we live in, it's not an excuse, but at the end of the day, like, I think it's choosing to communicate whenever possible that indicates to the person like, hey, you still care and you have an invested interest rather than leaving them on red or ghosting. <laughs> I'm even learning now to say sooner. And this is what I learned from the experiment, I think as well, just to get more articulate with, hey, you know, I really appreciate our time together. I think you're really awesome, but I'm not sure if I see this going anywhere soon or, hey, you know, I know we've rescheduled once." or twice now before, but it it seems like you're not really interested in me. And again, sometimes it can be really hard and these emotional days can feel so heavy, but I'm still a fan of communication and I'm not perfect either. Sometimes I will forget to message someone back. Um, But I'd like to think when it comes to plans, especially just to be totally honest, like, Hey, I don't think it's going to happen today. Let's try again for next week and letting people know um, that it's not about them. If it's, if that's truly the case and Uh, being a little bit vulnerable, I think can go a really long way in these times.
1: I love that perspective. That's a really good mindset of um, just open and honest communication of like, hey, I know we've rescheduled a couple of times. Um, It doesn't feel to me like you're very interested and that's okay. If there's any truth to that, let me know.
0: Yeah. And then from there, um, again, in the experiment too, this had to have been one of the times in my life with dating. And again, perhaps the only time where, In my dating life, rejection of some sort came around, but I was able to turn that around and have it work in my favor pretty quickly and realize it's just pointing me to the next step and the sooner, even if it is a little fast, I can be like, hey, we need to address this red flag. You don't want to address it or it's something we can't work through. I'm actually not mad at all and like, there's someone else out there for me and I'll figure Mm -hmm. it out and so will you. Again, I think that's what we talked about in the last recording too, but it's just, I have a lot less anxiety and drama in my dating life if I have it in that perspective. And when it clicks, it really clicks. And sometimes I've been able to be friends with people where we went on a couple dates after, you know what I mean? Just like the world doesn't need more negativity or people making it about them. I think it just needs more openness.
1: Mm -hmm. Definitely coming from an abundance mindset where you're at right now. Of, like, hey, if it didn't work out after two or three dates, this is the time where we decide. And then my person's out there. I'm going to find them sometime, somewhere.
0: Yeah. And remembering, too, in this time, especially like me going on that dating show and being a part of that experience, I also viewed that as an act of self love. It was me wanting to explore more and see what's out there for me. It wasn't so that I could find my person or have all these heavy expectations. Cause I know that's out there cause I hope that's out there for everyone. And that when you're ready for that and looking for that, you'll find it or other people say when you're not looking for it at all, but at the end of the day, <laughs> um, putting that positive intention out there, I'm like, Oh yeah, no, I went into that. And it was for me in my self love journey with everything I've been through in my eating disorder recovery. And I hope that I would recommend anybody to give it a try. Cause it's just another way of getting to know somebody and understanding that the power of human connection goes so much deeper than just a physical, you know, encounter with somebody and that you can really go to other levels. But I think it's the connection that matters more than some of the other things um, that I've thought in my own past about, you know, physical appearance or status or these whole checklist of things. It's just another reminder that, don't lower your standards, but what if some of the things on the checklist, especially physically, are holding you back from somebody who would love the hell out of you or who you would have the best time with, who's not what you would have expected to find in a partner?
1: Mm-hmm. I love that perspective. And you, you could take that one to the bank. Um, and now, let me ask you a question. When the conversations did go deeper, when you were dating blind, mm-hmm. were you able to talk about what you're passionate most, most which is that eating disorder recovery?
0: Honestly, too, that's something else that's come up in the dating world. Where when that comes up, it what the work that I do is so specific. Like, oh, you do modeling and photography and fashion shows, and I'm like, but it's for people struggling with body image and eating disorders. I'm like, why do you do that? And so sometimes it's hard not to have that come out at first. I found that I was open to sharing that just because I'm coming at the whole um, dating game, no BS. So I'm like, again, if I'm hiding any part of me. Perhaps the person that I would end up dating would get to know a version of me that isn't truly who I am. So I came at it, you know, very honest. It doesn't mean I went into details of my trauma, but I was like, yeah, I had an eating disorder for a long time. And I said that in my um, video as well, just because it's so interesting how like my personal and professional life are tied together because of the work that I do. But I'm like, I've struggled with self-love, not just in being rejected from dating or dating toxic people. I was really toxic to myself for a long time. So I'm trying to give myself new space to show up in the world and be here after so many years of failure after failure and somehow building on those failures to be in a more stable place now where I feel like I want to give more to myself and then hopefully give to someone else in the most authentic form that that can be in a partnership. Um, but there were there was someone where... Um, even though, again, we weren't face-to-face and there was not that intimidating aspect, still was unwilling to share with me about a mental health struggle and uh, later on um, connected with me on social media and was like, hey, I'm really inspired by what you do, but because they were recording us, I wasn't ready to share that I'd been really impacted in my mental health negatively because my mom died and I tried to take my life last year. And then there was someone else who reached out to me And they said, you know, I wanted to share with this on mental health, but because you're being recorded, my family doesn't know that I am bisexual. And it was just very um, interesting how, again, even when you're not face to face, the mental health topic is really intimidating still. And I totally respect that. But sometimes I have to remember, like, be super considerate because I'm it flows off of my tongue so easily now yeah I had an eating disorder and I was messed up for 10 years we're like I have to remember the dating space like whoa like first off not everyone is there secondly not everyone will get there and thirdly either of those things are fine like people might not even need to openly talk about it in that way and again just it, it was a chance to like hold more space and hold more respect for people than anything else instead of expecting them to be as open with me. But it's so interesting, even without the camera on, you know what I mean? People are still terrified to be vulnerable.
1: Mm-hmm, I hear that. And not everybody has earned the right to hear your story either. Um, I think which that's is- important too hmm which is where I want to take the conversation now that we can get into the original recording and learn a lot more about you. So thanks for mm-hmm. coming back uh, like a week and a half later, maybe two weeks later when Zoom Perfect. has mm-hmm. worked out their bugs and, and here we go into the rest of the conversation. Uh, it sounds like we're both huge fans of a morning routine and as we were getting to know each other, uh, that's something that we related on. Tell me a little bit about your morning routine, and then we'll get into who you are as a person.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, and Zoom technology and all of that. Um, Let Uh me know if you can. So a little bit about what I was sharing with you regarding my morning routine. Um, I've talked about this as well in how it coincides with my company, um, Christina Marie's Mantra, but it's really all about the language that I have with myself and how I start my day um, with meditation and coffee. Sometimes it's sitting in bed. Sometimes it's going outside right behind my house. But the main point that I was really trying to hit home for you is that, you know, throughout the course of my busy day, if I can't take 30 minutes at the start of my day to have gratitude for my life and how far I've come, um, you know, send some kindness and love towards myself, then I probably have bigger issues going on within me that are making it hard for me to connect to myself because some people make excuses or they'll say that they can't do this they can't do that because they don't have time everyone can find I feel 20 30 minutes of your day helped me a lot in developing a more positive inner dialogue uh, because I've struggled with my inner critic for a really long time and if I'm able to take some of the unkind thoughts or the feelings that are hard to sit with and uh, in certain ways you know even if it's for me writing down the opposite of like I am beautiful. I am worthy of love. I can choose to be happy in spite of what might be going on in my circumstances or what havoc or chaos or things that might change throughout the day. Again, if I can start the day um, just with some quiet time and having positive mantras and kindness towards myself, it can set the course uh for my day to hopefully be better and then, on the off chance that my day does go awry or things come up, I can still come back to the self love and not um be overly unkind to myself if that makes
1: any sense. <laughs> it does, absolutely. And I resonate with that a lot because uh, my morning routine is very important to me. Uh, um, I wake up and I, I start my day with that journaling practice and I include my gratitude in there. Um, I try to get three statements of gratitude, but it wasn't until I really started to attach an emotional feeling to each of those statements of gratitude that I started to see some, uh, some return on that investment Um, I know that we're accustomed to like instant gratification and how quickly can we get results? Um, But it doesn't work that way in a journaling practice or in a gratitude practice. Do you agree?
0: Yeah, completely. And I was going to say, even how I can relate that most to the quarantine, I don't think I've felt this much sense of calm or gratitude. Uh, I've lived here now for six years. This is probably the first time since I moved to Denver after I graduated college that I feel calm and content with who I am. And because I have that calm and content feeling with my own gratitude list as well, and I'm able to look at that every day, I'm seeing the changes. And over time, like not only am I enjoying more of myself now and the skin that I'm in, but I am more productive. Um, I'm not as hard on myself or trying to shame myself into having a better work ethic or doing a better job. I'm just able to accept where I'm at in my life, know the areas that I want to grow in and take again this calm energy and go forward throughout the day. It's It sounds silly, but it's been almost like magical because I am not wired this way. And if it wasn't for the quarantine, I think I would still be a little more anxious and like constantly doing versus just taking a breath and then going to a project versus going headfirst into something. And um, again, it goes against my nature, but I would say, especially during the quarantine, I've been having those good feelings that relate to the gratitude list and over time, now it's been a couple months with the quarantine. I feel like almost a completely different person with this much groundedness. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. I was surprised as well of of how far um, I was able to um, take myself through this slow down pace of my life, where like you, I'm go 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 almost all the time, and and I was starting to get out of alignment because of that, and it just wasn't sitting with me anymore. And now that I'm able to. To reverse that and say literally, I can sit with myself
0: mm-hmm.
1: and still make that intention for my day through my morning routine. And on top of that, still be even more productive now than I've ever been before.
0: Yeah, um, I couldn't agree more. And then also I think it's okay to realize when you look back, at least for me, uh, when I'm that like busy event planner mode and um kind of go in that phase in my head or let one track mind, I'm like. It's okay to realize that some of what I was doing before is wrong, quote unquote, wrong for me now. And there's no shame in that at all. It's just perhaps when the world does fully reopen again, more than likely by 2021, how can I show up to the event planning space as more authentic to where I'm at at this point in my life? And it's okay to have made mistakes or it's okay to have at one point been so validated through the hustle of working all the time and being so busy, uh, now kind of transferring that to something that's more balanced. Where yeah, I have a couple busy days in a row or maybe a busy week or two, but I don't need to constantly be doing. It's okay to just relax, even if it's just for the first thirty minutes of my day. So that's what I have to tell myself, at least.
1: Yeah, that's a good routine to get into. And I wanted to ask you a question: of when did you first identify that voice as your inner critic?
0: Uh, I would say from some of the story sharing that I've done, um, and the personal growth work I've done, uh, especially when I was in eating disorder treatment, that definitely ties into my personal background, but you're sitting in a hospital, not really going anywhere. You're kind of just stagnant in many areas of your life. You really have a lot of time to sit with your feelings. And I think honestly, as early as probably when I was in kindergarten, um, I went to a private school and you had to have your hair a certain way. You had to dress a certain way. And I remember one day um, I had my hair pulled back and was going to school and I just, I didn't like how I looked. I didn't like how I felt. And I remember um, feeling so trapped and like seeing this person in the mirror. And I'm like, but this isn't even really me. Like, this isn't the way I want to dress. This isn't the way I want to show up in the world. And obviously the thoughts weren't as articulated back then, but that was the first time I really remember um, feeling uncomfortable with who I was and my mind made it about my body. And then that's kind of where the struggle with body image um, and then eventually leading up to a 10 year battle with an eating disorder kind of came into play. It started in my childhood. And then I think um, my inner thoughts were consistently negative and feeling like I never measured up kind of equated to middle school, high school, and some of college being a bit of a, a mental health crisis, I would say for me.
1: Mm-hmm. I can see exactly how that would tie into how you've come across using mantras now to change your life, but let's not fast forward too far too fast. Uh, tell us a little bit more about like high school and your experience during that 10 year period. Yeah.
0: Uh, so the first time that I was ever uh, formally diagnosed with an eating disorder and put in treatment was when I was in middle school. Um, I was in seventh grade and in the course of a summer, uh, after a lot of personal pressure in my own life and, uh, struggling with being bullied for a lot of it too. I just think, uh, things kind of came to a head. I kind of decided weight loss was my answer. My body was something that I could control. Um, it gave me a sense of power in a world where I was pretty stifled and feeling powerless by religion and, Strict rules and having to live up to these standards that were unachievable for anyone. We're all human. Uh, Once I went into eating disorder treatment because I lost um, a little over 20 pounds from a normal, healthy body weight, my life was permanently different. I had so many ideas of what I thought I wanted to do, this path that was set up for me by my family, uh, you know, to go the traditional route of going to a four year university go live in the suburbs, get married. I just kind of realized I had to start living my life for me. And there was a lot that I wanted to do. There was a lot that I wanted to see in the world and perhaps how I could decide how I could show up um, as my authentic self in life. But it was a lot of feeling lost. It was a lot of uh, self-harm, losing friends, losing connection with myself, uh, not being able to live a normal life because you can't go to school when you're um, constantly on the verge of either wanting to end your life or you're losing weight going up and down. Um, it's a, your body can't maintain homeostasis at all. So again, I really, you know, this path that was laid out for me, I realized that was never going to work for me. Um, I had these deep rooted belief systems and these negative things that manifested so largely in my life that my life was my eating disorder for 10 years. And eventually uh, when I got sick and tired of going to a treatment about five or six years in, uh, I really made the mental decision that I didn't know what it was going to look like, but I had to figure out a way to cope with the negative feelings that I had towards myself. Um, I took these really um, long-term issues and I tried to resolve them with short-term negative behaviors. When that really clicked for me in my mind was when I realized that the eating disorder the self harm and these negative mantras were lies in my head um cuz the feelings that i had about myself i might have made it about my body and i might have used negative behaviors to sort of cope with that but it was those things were just short term solutions to a very long term issue where again these negative belief systems these ingrained beliefs about me um were not going to be solved through harming myself so As I slowly but surely crawled my way out of the eating disorder, I was able to maintain a healthy body weight for an extended period of time. I really did the work that is recovery and healing the trauma in your mind. And I don't feel until I moved to Colorado after I graduated college that I was ever able to um, take my experience and turn it into something positive because it was really, really negative and it held some power over me for quite some time
1: hmm Uh, outside of the treatment that you received, did you see a counselor one-on-one or was there a specific person that you went to that was well-versed in helping people recover from eating disorders?
0: So for me, um, they do set you up with a treatment team, um, nutritionist, uh, therapist, psychologist, and they try to give you a network of reliable people that can help you when you're in treatment. And then when you're, out of treatment. And that was all very uh, structured. And I think it was helpful to an extent when it really came to my physical well-being. Um, but what really helped me with my mental well-being was having a mentor who I met um, through the private school that I was going to at the time. And she could just really relate to me in a powerful way. And I think um, that was probably the first time in my life where I was really able to show someone all of who I was and they still loved me anyways. I, I was able to kind of drop my mask. I wasn't trying to hide the fact that I was really messed up on the inside. I felt like I could honestly communicate um, the struggles that I was having with not loving my body, but ultimately not loving myself as a person. And she really helped me uh, to be encouraged, feel inspired, and eventually to go on to doing volunteer work that involved public speaking and starting to host small scale workshops in treatment centers in Massachusetts to kind of start sharing my story with people and like hey I don't have all the answers but um if I was the worst possible case scenario feeding tube in my nose and that was my life and I can get to this place how can I help and how can I give back to other people and give them the same hope that I've found
1: mhm so you found a non-judgmental mentor that you felt safe with that you could open up to and really kind of unwind what it was that was the root cause
0: yeah and for me it was really nice too and i think that's why um a lot of people really benefit from therapy is because you it's like you need an outside person for me it was more of the mentor because i think um i was also really looking for validation and love outside of myself which i don't think is a very um good idea to do long term but she really helped me um realize that i could be loved for being myself and That even though I had flaws and there were areas of my life or myself that I wish were different, she made me feel like it was okay to fall short and that making mistakes or falling short of expectations and standards, whether they're self-imposed or put on you by someone else, falling is a part of life. It's just about getting back up. And I think that's why she really inspired me the most. That's why I'd encourage people, whether it's a mentor, a therapist, um, sometimes we do need support systems of people in our lives that can point us back to ourselves and remind us that we indeed do have the answers to most of the questions we have about ourselves or about life. But again, because I was really lacking in self-love during that time, she was able to reflect, um, you know, love and kindness back to me and eventually helped instill a belief system of positive mantras and positive ways of being versus the negative things that I've been dealing with for most of my young adult life.
1: Amazing. Thank you so very much for sharing. Uh, what's one of the first mantras you remember saying to yourself or, or utilizing in order to show yourself uh, self-love?
0: Uh, it was, I am worthy. And I just struggled, I think, with unworthiness. And in some ways I still do because when... When you're a perfectionist, I feel, or it's as deep seated in these, um, the negative beliefs, I had them for so long in my life and they were serving me at one point, um, in regard to making me feel, you know, more in control of eating disorder or things like that. Um, but when it comes down to being able to say to myself now, I am worthy, that means I'm allowed to show up in life unapologetically, authentically as myself. And, some people will love that. Some people will reject that uh, when it comes to relationships or jobs or even what I do now, as far as my body positive events, that it's okay to be myself and realizing that if you know your own self-worth, you should never lower your standards for anyone. Um, but secondly, if I believe that I'm worthy, I can let go of some expectations that I might have on myself or of other, on other people. Um, that might not necessarily be fair to be putting um, expectations on them or on myself that are unrealistic, but aren't going to serve me and allow me to be a perfectly imperfect person. And that's totally okay. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, it does. Absolutely. And I can relate a lot to that, the worthiness limiting belief that's um, subconsciously repeated over and over and over again. And it holds you back from a lot of um what you're striving to accomplish in your life and um our inner critic or our uh, victim mindset could most certainly hold on to that core limiting belief um to sabotage us throughout our lives.
0: Yeah, and I think um a big part of it too when it comes down to the worthiness is realizing there's a huge difference between a standard and an expectation. And that eventually I need to learn how to love and accept myself because no one else can do that for me. So I love now. That's still something I say to myself every day is that I am worthy, um, regardless of whether I feel like I am or not. A feeling um, that might be negative or harder to sit with does not have to dictate the course of my entire day or the course of my life in the way that my feelings clearly um, once did in a really negative direction.
1: Mm-hmm, definitely. And well, once we've, Uncovered the fact that we are worthy and we are um, lovable, we very rarely have to go for external validation any longer. Is that something that you found uh, came across in your life?
0: Yeah. Um, and it's something too that I'm trying to work through, especially right now, is learning how to love and accept who I am um, without having to look for that from other people. Because I just felt like I really. Um, Wanted to be praised and validated and accepted, but early on in my life, when I didn't, you know, do things correctly in school or you know, I made a mistake, I was really made to feel in my home life like mistakes were not okay and they weren't normal. Um, so now sometimes that shows up even in my relationships where I'm still like working through, I don't need someone else to necessarily validate me if I can't do that for myself first. Uh, and I think that can really put you in an, uh, an unfair, or kind of like a strange relationship dynamic that uh, long-term wouldn't really last, even in friendships, I would say.
1: Yeah. Is that because you're not um, letting your guard down and allowing somebody else in to get close to you?
0: Yeah. I find uh, that I'm struggling with that right now because I get really scared that I'm going to disappoint people or that at the end of the day, the horrible self Um, fulfilling prophecy that I think I've had for most of my life is that I'm not good enough for anyone. And if I'm coming at especially a new relationship in that negative mentality, or I'm holding on to that, I have to realize that's something I need to work through. And that perhaps, um, whether it's romantically, or friendships, or sometimes even in business, those relationships that are challenging me or bringing out um, some of the negative beliefs that I have, They could just be mirroring back to me what I need to do to grow as a person. And I think it can be a reminder when I've been let down, especially in the area of love in my life, that maybe I was looking for something in somebody else that I should have been giving to me all along. And that's helped me grow, I think, sometimes for better or for worse uh, when you go through these negative or, um, relationships that kind of challenge you, the sooner you acknowledge either the warning flags with the other person, or you acknowledge them in your own life. when you make the determination to continue to work on yourself and not just put all of your needs for validation and love in one basket per se, and put that all on someone else. Take the time. I think in any sort of relationship um, to be fostering and cultivating a connection with yourself first and foremost and giving to yourself instead of always needing that from another person. And that's something I'm still learning and working on every day that I can.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. I totally get it from, from the other side as well of like, I've been single for so long that Mm -hmm. I'm really good at taking care of my own needs and getting them met through um, hobbies that I have. Jiu Jitsu provides me with um, some physical contact and some, intimacy in a different dimension. And then, um, my own morning routine, if we could go back to that and, uh, my mindfulness practice really fills another need of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, so that when I do meet somebody new and when I do begin a relationship, it's very hard for me to communicate what I need because for so long I, I'm getting my own needs met here.
0: Yeah. And I think, um, from my perspective, at least for me, because also, um, And eating disorder was the longest relationship I've ever had in my life. And that was a very codependent, needy, horrible relationship. And you're often really, whether it's like the doctors or your family, you're really dependent on other people to take care of you. And that's something that I'm moving away from and I'm gaining a ton of independence from even right now being single, uh, is meeting these needs for myself and kind of viewing relationships. That's what I was telling a friend the other day. I do have a really full life. Um, I have a business where it's still growing and I'm still learning about even how to do events in the midst of COVID right now, but it's something that I really care about. And I want to help people with body image and learning how to love themselves and heal from eating disorders for the rest of my life. Um, I also feel really blessed that I have a great group of friends where when I'm around them, it's like I, almost all I feel is love. And I do have these really deep connections, even with just a few girlfriends where They're like my family um, because I don't have any family out in Colorado and I'm able to go on these adventures And because in so many areas of my life, I am either starting to feel more fulfilled or I already have a fulfilling relationship to my work, friends, and even to food now um, compared to how I used to be. A relationship, I want it to kind of just be the cherry on top of this ice cream sundae, this beautiful ice cream sundae (laughs) that I've worked so hard to build. And that there's so many wonderful people who have helped me to build it. If that's how I can view a relationship, it's not something that I, I mean, I think I'm definitely built for more of a partnership, but just at who I am as a person, like I don't like playing the field a ton. I love getting to know people just with dating. I can't manage the apps and talking to five different <laughs> people. Like, okay, okay, let's cut that out. Um, if it's something where it just adds to my life in immensely, And the other person feels the same and it's just this natural, not really forced connection, and it comes together and grows into something beautiful. That's definitely what I'd say I'm very clear on and more of what I'm looking for, versus you know, sticking by some of these expectations and rules that society has or these things that I've put on myself. I'd rather just view it as this wonderful thing that could already come into my very full life, and that hopefully if I'm working on myself, I have room for an abundant relationship like that. And I'm able to perhaps remove not just my negative beliefs, but like maybe some guys who really aren't being too respectful. And I'm like, why would I want to talk to them or, um, relationships in my life that I feel are kind of stale or stagnant and not really growing, um, as I grow on my own self-love journey.
1: Yeah, definitely setting some healthy boundaries around, um, those relationships that aren't serving you is going to help definitely validate you internally. Um, It makes you feel really, really good and empowered when you do set healthy boundaries for yourself. Mm -hmm. And a very humbling experience for me, um, understanding Mm -hmm. that I'm not impervious to pain and impervious to hurt and seeking out a new friend group of guys uh, through a, a men's group that I joined recently shows me that the vulnerability Brings people closer together sharing my needs with others brings me closer together.
0: I think too um, It's so interesting because I I don't know if it's just my brain works the opposite way or if you know other people who are perhaps in the um, You know, I wouldn't say like I hate I don't like personally for myself the term influencer But whatever you want to say where you're out there on the internet sharing your personal whatever Um, You know, I almost find it easier to talk about an eating disorder in a public forum space. Whereas um, in my close relationships, and I think when it comes to dating, just because I know how complex mental illness is for me and for other people that I've spoken with, it's almost easier for me to talk about it in a room full of people than one-on-one intimacy. That's still something I'm working on just because that was such a traumatic experience in my life. And you always wonder, I think, when you're getting to know someone, if they're just going to think you're this like effed up person, because you've um, been through something where, for me, the eating disorder really did feel like an addiction. And I have really fought and clawed my way to become the exact opposite of who I used to be. But I'm still working through, again, these really ingrained patterns. And I find that sometimes they show up in my relationships. So I always You know, it's, I feel like sometimes it's so much easier said than done because I totally believe vulnerability brings people closer together, but it's almost like I have to let go of the conditioning of my brain and be like, Hey, if this is somebody where I see potential um, for a real relationship, or I feel really safe, seen and heard by this person, I can totally trust that as I lean in right now and get to know them, I can share some of my darker stuff or these feelings I'm working through, and they're going to, maybe love me more for it or they might run for the hills who knows but um vulnerability is something that's been so beautiful but like I said it's just really funny because I'm like oh I can talk about it on Instagram but then when I'm on like a fourth or a fifth date and we're talking about some of our past histories I'm like oh okay why is it a little bit harder sometimes (laughs) but
1: (laughs) I can relate to that wholeheartedly for sure. I mean, we have a podcast that we're we're chatting on right now that that reaches like forty some countries and tens of thousands of of listeners. And I can be open and vulnerable to a point here on the podcast. And mm-hmm. I was just chatting with a, a friend of mine last night, and literally, like, I just kind of let go of mm-hmm. any attachment to the outcome of like well if i share this and they run for the hills or if i share this and it draws us closer i i shouldn't have to concern myself with either outcome because
0: mm-hmm. the sharing
1: comes from me you okay, know yeah. and the receiver yes they're a part of that experience but their reaction is completely up to them and has very little to do with me in the in the end no matter what happens which which outcome occurs
0: Yeah. And I think um, something too, I've really had to work on with my personal belief system in relationships is realizing when something goes wrong, um, I totally believe it takes two to tango. And even if you're dating a person who's toxic in, at least in my past, because I can only speak for myself, I was accepting the love that I thought I deserved at that point in my life. So there was still a part of me that needed healing. And that's what that relationship was trying to bring me to um, a deeper connection with healing to myself and not making it about the other person and all of their issues. But that's another thing too, where, you know, I constantly worry, am I going to attract the same thing again um, as I'm growing on working on my limiting beliefs or am I going to move away from some people in the past who were unfortunately um, some hard lessons and my teachers that brought me to this point on my self-love journey now uh, and again, I'm always wondering too, because sometimes if you're vulnerable with the wrong person, how that would kind of scare you in the future of doing it again in your dating life, which is so one track mind, anxious thinking, but can't help that it comes up sometimes.
1: <laughs> right. Well, we, we definitely don't live in a vacuum. Uh, our life experiences have brought us to this place, whether good or bad and a combination of both. And they are learnings. Absolutely. That. Um, we learn so much more in a relationship than we can outside of it, but we can certainly prepare for that relationship along the way. Um, not, not forgetting the past, but definitely Mm -hmm. forgiving ourselves for whatever role it was that we believed we had in that place.
0: Yeah. And I think, um, to another really important point that you brought up about not being attached to the outcome. Uh, apparently I'm just talking about how I don't have dating all figured out <laughs> today. Um, you know, also another thing that really comes up that I think probably, I think a lot of other people can relate to as well is how do you not, um, put expectations on the outcome of a relationship or the outcome of a conversation? I feel like for me, cause I'm, I'm a passionate person as well. It's like, I want what I want and this is so awesome and everything, but I also, for me personally, um, in the quarantine too, as I'm stepping back and kind of um, talking to guys more virtually on Zoom and things like that, it's just being like, hey, you know, I actually can't say where this relationship is going to go. And saying in the beginning, like, that's okay that you're saying you're just getting to know someone and putting out your wants and desires instead of, you know, does that make any sense? Like, instead of putting this, like, oh, the relationship has to end in this or, oh, the relationship has to look this way. Just trying to get to know someone and then seeing if um, it blossoms into something more, that's a mentality that I'm really, really working on having more of in my life uh, just so that it kind of gets rid of the expectations and it gives me the chance to get to know someone and maybe let go of my preconceived notions or beliefs on what love or partnership has to look like in another person.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally get where you're coming from. And I've spent a lot of time in solitude, actually processing that exact thing and where it fits into my life. And uh, I can, I can kind of explain it a little bit better in standards versus expectations. Yeah. Whereas if we create a concrete vision for what our, our relationship standards are, Mm -hmm. and then we have people that come into our lives that Are more of the fluid piece of the puzzle on one hand we have the concreteness that we've um, set our standards around a relationship things that we have boundaries around that are non-negotiables for us like you Mm -hmm. said you're not um, really capable of playing the field okay well that definitely sets a parameter for this concrete relationship that you're willing to bring into your life Mm -hmm. and if there's a person this is the fluid side a person comes into your life where they're not on the same page about that relationship dynamic that you hold as a standard, well, then they're not your person.
0: Yeah. And I think making it okay too, without getting angry to just accept like, Hey, maybe this person could be a friend or, um, Hey, maybe that person's not a bad person. We're just not on the same page. Cause my life during this quarantine, even in regard to getting to know some people virtually has been relatively drama free. And I think it's also because even though my ego or my anxiety, that wounded inner child, that part of me that has the expectations and the pain and all these things, I make space now to sort of handle that on my own. And usually at the first 30 minutes of my day, send myself that love that my ego needs so badly or give myself that validation. So that when or if I experience a rejection or a disappointment when I'm getting to know someone in the dating space, I don't have to react in this anger unless I've honestly been mistreated. Like if somebody shows you who they are or they tell you the truth, believe them, you know? And that's also been really refreshing for me in my dating life is to say, Hey, like we actually are just on different pages and that's it. It doesn't have to be this thing where I, um, lose my cool or I go into this anxiety spiral for a couple of days. I just realize it truly is a thank you next. Um, it can be that <laughs> sort of situation and they're just pointing you to the next best thing or that much closer to your person, hopefully.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I totally agree with that, that like rejection is not a bad thing. It's simply just redirection. If we have somebody in our life that doesn't step up to those standards that we've communicated effectively and that we hold for ourselves, then we can remove them and you know close that door so that another one can open and the person that is meant for us can step into that space that we've created away from somebody who's not up to the standard.
0: Yeah, and I've been really glad that I've been able to get rid of the shame that I once felt or really the the self-blaming when relationships would go wrong in my life and just realize rejection's a part of it. Um you're putting your heart out there in the game, you're braver than the people who just sit on the sidelines. Um and that's something a principle that I really try to apply to every area of my life personally or professionally. I would still rather put myself out there Um, risk being rejected or wrong about someone, uh, even with all my fears, uh, because I don't believe I live my life without fear. I just do it anyway. It's as simple as even having a vulnerable conversation here with you. It's not that I didn't feel plenty of fears and anxieties before uh, we jumped on this call and this conversation. It's just, I'm ready now to just sit with my fear of the unknown and the uncomfortableness. And it's still worth it and I am worthy enough to be vulnerable in the dating space, the professional space and worthiness just encompasses my life if I choose to go ahead and take the leap anyway.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I love the way that you phrase that and it it relates a lot to the conversation we're having today is that uh, I don't create a whole lot of pre-interview questions. Um, I like our conversations to go really organically and uh, that's me distancing myself from controlling the outcome or even believing that I have some semblance of control of the outcome because I certainly don't. No. And we could, we could take that as a mindset into our first and our second and our 50th date with somebody is simply just going on a first date to know whether or not we want to see him again. And at the end of that first date, it's okay not to know whether we want to see him again because we could walk away from that date Take some time to ourselves, process the feeling, process the experience, and two hours later, actually say, "Yeah, I definitely would like to see that person again."
0: And not um, having to necessarily put all the eggs in one basket either. That's something I'm learning. Of course, if you are really drawn to this person, um, you know, after a couple dates, and I'll, sometimes there's a part of my heart where that passion comes out. And I'm like, "Oh my gosh, like, what if this is my person?" Or like, "I love our connection." and or com- deep conversations, small talk doesn't work for me, but if I can go really deep uh, sometimes and I feel safe to do that, I'm like, that's also really amazing. But at the end of the day, I'm also learning too, to not put all my eggs in one basket. That's where it's like a weird balance of where I don't enjoy playing the field, but like, maybe I should just stay open. And instead of having the expectation of it, ha- again, the outcome, it has to be this way in this with this only one person, just remaining open, because in my own life, um, in the areas of where love has showed up, it's always been really unexpected and not talking about romantic relationships so much, but even I never saw myself moving to Colorado or starting a company where I'd openly be discussing body positivity, mental health, um, through my, I feel like these broken pieces or these parts of me, I'm somehow able to heal that and then show other people how to do that. I never saw myself, um, living a sort of life that was passionate or blissful, but here I am like And I would like to think that romantic love is the same. And if it like sneaks up on me or it doesn't look how I expect it to, that's actually could be better than anything I could ever come up with in my head. So that's where it's the, that's where the letting go process can be beautiful. It's just with my type A East coast mentality, always trying to like, let go of, it has to be this way or look this way. And sometimes I have to even laugh at myself because I'm like, Christina, you never would have thought of that on your own, Um, you know, kind of just allowing what comes into my life to just be. And usually when it comes to my personal life and my professional life, I'm still working on my dating life. Guilty. But (laughs) most things are really, really um, beautiful and they grow and develop in a way where even if it's difficult at the end of uh, everything and the light at the end of the tunnel is so much better than anything I could have imagined.
1: Yeah, I love that. Absolutely. And uh, let me ask you a question. A lot of people kind of put it into one context of either you're dating multiple people at one time or you're dating one person at a time. And these are like two ways to date in the modern era. And uh, why I bring this up is because you've said it a couple of times, it's like putting all your eggs in one basket. And some people could say that, well, that means you're dating more than one person at a time. And for me, that becomes very overwhelming and I'm no longer present and conscious with um, say the person who's rising to the top of that um, as setting themselves apart and um, somebody I'm enjoying my time with. And for me, putting all my eggs in one basket means that even if I'm dating one person, mm-hmm. I'm not putting all my eggs in that one basket either. And you're describing a very full, um, fulfilling life, like a, an ice cream cone in the relationship is just the cherry on the top. And I would describe it the same way as that, well, I'm putting eggs in my basket of my professional life and I'm Mm -hmm. putting eggs in a basket for my physical life too. And I'm putting Mm -hmm. eggs in my basket for my financial life and my spiritual life and my mental health and my emotional health. And not all of that can come from my relationship.
0: No. And that's so powerful as well, just because I lost myself in a 10 year relationship with an eating disorder. So I totally understand what being enmeshed in a bad relationship looks like. And when you build your life around one thing and how unhealthy that can be. And now at this point, um, I always want to know that I'm enough for me and in the way that I've worked so hard to build my life and crawled my way out of some really negative experiences and not only built a great life, but also built a version of myself that I enjoy, that's worthy and awesome. I can somehow love my body, and even when I look in the mirror and I still hear these little like nitpicking criticisms, I kind of just laugh and I'm like, "Yeah, it's part of being human too." My thoughts aren't going to be perfect towards myself all the time, uh, but it ha- in having a really healthy relationship to myself and having boundaries there, that's hopefully how I can show up in the dating world and. For me, it's just saying like, hey, maybe I had a, a great couple dates with that person, but what else? I don't have to daydream all day about that person or like lose myself in these expectations. It's like, I also can, as you were saying, I can focus on my job. I can focus on, I love to exercise. I can spend time with my friends and hopefully, because there's pretty, I think, clear indicators when even in the past, there have been some red flags or I've been in a relationship with someone who's a narcissist or emotionally unavailable. If I'm trying to shape my life around another person and I'm not shaping it around my own needs and my own needs for emotional availability, physical availability, mental availability are getting crushed and pushed down and I'm suffocating what it is I want to say in order to make someone else happy. That's when I think, you know, you're enmeshing yourself and your identity in a relationship instead of taking care of yourself. And that's something that I never want to do again, just because I experienced it again in a different way. But like 10 years of not being true to myself and giving up my identity and living in unworthiness hasn't left me with too many uh, good things besides that it helped make me who I am today. Um, That's the only reason I have gratitude for it, but otherwise um, having to undo all that thought patterns, it's like constant, work. And I just now have the ability, I think, to hopefully step away um, versus what I used to do in the past when I kind of just lose myself in another person. I realize now I can lose myself in self-love and happiness and having a full life versus, again, I think that's the indicator is when it comes down to one person and you're changing yourself or not speaking your truth, that's when it could be an indicator that that's not a good thing for you to be having in those kind of relationships, anyways. Aren't going to help you be the best version of yourself. How I felt in the past in my gut um, has normally been true. The same issues or red flags I saw at the beginning of a relationship, um, six months down the line, a year or two down the line were usually the same problems at the end. I just found myself stuffing it down, which is not healthy and not reflective of who I am right now at this present moment.
1: Yeah, I can I can relate to that a lot. Um, And self abandonment is one of the common reasons why our modern dating is so lost and without direction.
0: Yeah. And like, what if, um, you know, because we do unfortunately live in a really big hookup culture. That's not that I don't believe that there isn't real partnerships and relationships out there. I also happen to have um, a couple really great friends of mine that are in amazing relationships because you are the people you spend your time with. So, you know, I take some notes and they definitely (laughs) um, met their person. And that's really nice to observe and see. And I know that if that's out there for them, that can be out there for me too. But, you know, in this hookup culture, I've even had to say like, Hey, I actually really don't want to move this fast or, Hey, I really enjoy talking to you, but I don't want to get physical right away. And again, that's just like a personal thing of mine because I'm trying to I want the whole package, and I respect uh, myself enough to say when I want and when I don't want something. But again, I find too, I think it's the communication barrier as well that can get really difficult. People are just so scared to say the truth and disappoint someone else or they're afraid they're going to miss out on love, I think.
1: -hmm Yeah, definitely sums up a lot of the feelings and time spent with myself that I'm uncovering this year. Um, Thank, thankfully, through my gratitude practice and the period of solitude that I've gotten a chance to get to know myself better and spend more time with myself for myself by myself without feeling all too lonely, and I'm super grateful for it. If um, if your message resonates with somebody today, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you?
0: I would say uh, the best way to get a hold for me is through my Instagram, uh, Christina Marie's Mantra, or my website. Uh, com Again, Instagram is Christina Marie's Mantra, all one word. Uh, and then my website is www.mybodymantra.com.
1: Got it. Thank you very much. I'll be sure to put those in the show notes below. And if you want to leave us with something that we touched on briefly or didn't get to today, what would that be?
0: I would say um, it's okay to be who you are and where you're at. Whether you feel good enough or not, that doesn't matter. You are good enough. Even if it doesn't feel like it, you're right where you're supposed to be at this moment. Um, Not only does God or the universe or whatever you believe in um, that's out there, because I totally believe in positive energy and being able to use that to shape the course of your life and what you put out there comes back karma, God, whatever. But long story short, you know, there have been times in my life where I didn't feel worthy and the only person who felt that way about me was me. And there were still friends and family who loved me when I couldn't love myself and who still thought the world of me. Just because I didn't think that doesn't mean that it wasn't true that a person can be good enough worthy Worthy of love, worthy of happiness, worthy of a really good life. So, I guess that's what I would leave people with today that your feelings, if they're negative, they don't have to dictate your entire world. But you will, and I totally believe this for myself to find whether it's your person or sometimes you find love and friends, people will love you for who you are. And those are the people that are going to shape the course of your life. And hopefully, to whoever's listening, if they haven't met their person, that they'll know they will find someone someday that will see the darkness or see your feelings that can be so negative and they're going to love you all the more for it, uh, for being vulnerable. And I just wanted to say, I appreciate you, um, so much for having me on today. And this was really inspiring and thank you for providing space for me to have the opportunity to be this vulnerable about my dating life and where I'm at with myself and knowing that I'm good enough in this moment. Thank you.
1: Yeah, it's my pleasure, Christina. And I I have to say thank you for coming on and and sharing your story. And what do you say in the next six months or so when uh, uh, quarantine is over and we're able to host live events again, we, we connect and see where each other's at?
0: Hell yeah, 100%.
1: Awesome. Thank you, Christina.
0: Yeah, have a great day.